truly, human nature changes little. We may be civilized on the surface, but down deep, we are primitive. He goes directly at Kalilo and impales him. So in comes his horse. Oh no, the wild card. Here, uh, iron think as it ricochets off his brass balls. And Lucas says, you are one ugly motherfucker. <laughs> he dies of dysentery. Dysentery is where you die of extreme diarrhea. <laughs> he caught the shits and he died. <laughs> at the ripe old age of 35. May the better man emerge victorious. Hello and welcome to Conjectural Combat, the podcast where the factual and the fictional engage in fisticuffs. I'm the fictional fanboy, Alex Cook, and I'm joined by the historical fanboy, Matt Johnson. Bully. Bully. Yes, I do bully. And once again, it has turned in my favor, because this time we are doing a fictional episode. Oh, God. Here we go. We got to get these people who are inspired by imagination. (laughs) These silly, silly, made-up concepts. These fairy tales. That. Arsenal is based in history. That's all I'm saying. Just wait. Wait till one in particular you we're gonna get to that you're gonna love just because look, of Look, don't it, don't use your genre to knock down mine just because sometimes my genre takes from yours. That's that's I'm sorry that my genre actually happened. The I, stuff that actually happened. Hey, look, when Galactus comes to your universe, to your set of circumstances, then you'll be able to brag. Until then the buck is in my favor. The if Galactus shows up here, that's it for him. This fucked up. I mean, he I, does not stand. Roosevelt. He does not stand a chance against uh, Genghis Khan, Hannibal Barca, Alexander the Great. You know, all these guys going up against him. And then not only that, but their armies outfitted with weaponry created by the Manhattan Project. Come on, that's a wrap, Galactus. I, I just imagine they stand on top of each other and become a human neck. <laughs> They're a, they're a giant history sword. <laughs> exactly. They're like historical Voltron. <laughs> they they save the world and, and instantly commence on teaming up to pillage the rest of the world that they uh, helped save. What is George Washington leading them? Oh. Hey, he didn't pillage. He well, just owned slaves. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this time we are actually discussing the fictional portion again, which was started, of course, by... Connor McLeod and the Doctor. Yeah. The last I gotta episode. say, I did like that that choice. Those two really complemented each other. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and as will these, which I'll get into later. But uh, first of all, in the aftermath of the Democratic Donnybrook, as you like to call it, yeah. as I vehemently protested against, I think you're it's a loyal a, you're, one. A, you're a certain monarchist. You yeah. believe in the, in the nobility still. Yeah. It's the Royal Rumble. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, how are you feeling post that? Because that was easily one of the most ambitious things we've ever attempted on any of the podcasts. Um, I thought it worked with – I was surprised by how long it was. But okay. uh, I think we were able to make make it pretty good. Uh, you know, it was, I think, an appropriate tribute to President's Day, uh, at least until next year when we do tables, ladders, and intercontinent, intercontinental ballistic missiles. That'll be our <laughs> match next time. One of them has to get the belt. They get the belt, launch the nukes, they yeah. kill everybody. <laughs> Just imagine LBJ riding, LBJ's riding a missile with a cowboy hat. Yeah, and they're all vaporized. Yeah. There's no winner there. We all lose. When it comes to nukes, people, we all lose. Yeah, exactly. Embrace love, not hate. 
Especially not radioactive hate. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of radioactive hate, the two characters that I've chosen for this one are actually a mystery to you. Uh, you knew beforehand about Highlander and yeah. Doctor Who. That was one of the ones we talked about, and you knew kind of about the Democratic Donnie Brook just because I told you I wanted to do this, but you didn't know exactly everybody or know much about the other people. But I think this is one of the first ones that we're going into blind, or I'm going into blind. Yeah, and we're going to make this pretty much a regular practice, aren't we, from yeah. here on out? Which, to, to me, it's a lot easier for me to be like vague with you than you are with me sometimes you know oh yeah well you have the major advantage here in that i am incredibly illiterate on history and you are actually pretty on the up and up as far as fictional stuff goes like yeah. you absorb a lot of pop culture i can't help it i'm smarter than you alex i i i didn't want to say it but yeah yeah you're, you're a lot smarter than me that's no and by the way that's no big feat to accomplish <laughs> I'm pretty sure your average uh, lab rat. Oh, uh, you got a diploma. You're smarter than me. Oh, look at the fancy man. I got a GED. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that aside. Yeah, we are going into this completely blind. I mean, you are. Uh, I will be going in completely blind on the rest of the historical segments. But here we go. Uh, it's, it's funny that we were talking about, you know, our last big bout, you know, with the Democratic Donnie Brook because – it seemed like with every new contestant, it spelled out certain doom. Is that a hint? It may be a hint. <laughs> okay. That's right. It, it actually it, it was a hint. I'm, I'm not very good at hints. Okay? <laughs> you would make a poor Riddler. I would. I would. I was riddle me this, out. riddle me that, Batman. I just robbed a bank. Come get me. <laughs> I am at this address, question mark. <laughs> I am. P.S. I am. Really? It's not a question. Come get me. <laughs> Yeah, I would send out a separate Skyrite. But, uh, yeah, I mean, in case that incredibly vague hint wasn't enough to tip you off, uh, the first one is a long-standing comic book character. He runs his own third-world country and is actually one of the most prominent locations in the Marvel Universe. He is the archenemy of the Fantastic Four and has come across such heroes as Spider-Man, Daredevil, and the Avengers. He is single-handedly touted as one of the greatest villains in comic book history. Ladies and gentlemen. Hear me, nations of the world. My power is without limit. I can turn day to blackest night, summer to winter. But I am above all a reasonable man. Thus I have granted your leaders one week to surrender to the rule of doom. Or suffer total annihilation. Paint Doom like one of your French girls. This is exactly. Doom is red for your pleasure. I have to say that as far as fictional dictators go, Doom is definitely one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. And I knew that going in, so mm -hmm. I chose carefully. But he has to have an opponent. And since Dr. Doom is one of the most powerful beings in really all of fiction, like, there's, uh, there's as we will find out later on, there's very little he can't do, in fact. <laughs> You have to kill the Fantastic Four. Uh, pretty much. Uh, and even that he kind of succeeded in. <laughs> we'll get into later. But yeah. you have to have an opponent who is equally as fearsome, equally as powerful, and just someone who strikes the same amount of menace in a character like this. This character is not from the comic books. I chose not to align just two comic book villains. But he's pretty much the closest thing you can get to a comic book villain 
in the space of pop culture because he is one of the most iconic villains of all time, made famous, of course, by a first, the original trilogy of films, Star Wars. Oh, no. And, of course, the prequel trilogy, which detailed his origin. It's Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You saw, you saw Victor Von Doom. <laughs> you saw Big Magician. <laughs> uh, that racist character. One day. Now you see why I loved it. <laughs> exactly. One day we'll be rid of him. One day we'll erase that from our minds. But until then, we can talk about a much superior character, or at least to me. I, to you, it's probably questionable. Of course, Lord of the Sith. You do not yet realize your importance. You have only begun to discover your power. Join me, and I will complete your training. With our combined strength, we can end this destructive conflict and bring order to the galaxy. And a.k.a. Anakin Skywalker. A.k.a. Little Annie. You shut your face. <laughs> That's what I have to say that. You shut your freaking face. That never happened. But the sand is so rough. Ugh. Oh, oh. It's not fair. Obi-Wan's holding me back. Ugh, chlorians. <laughs> Ugh. That's part of the origin, Alex. That's canon. You have to leave that in there. Yeah, oh, believe me, I have to cover that. <laughs> but with this, um, this is going to be a little bit different from Highland or, or Doctor Doom because – or Doctor Who. I've, I've got Doctor Doom on the mind now. <laughs> he sucked me into his world, his world of Latverian hate. This is going to be a little bit different from Highlander or Doctor Who in the fact that I assume most of the people who listen to this are going to know a great deal about these two characters, or at least have a passing knowledge. Um, since we're dealing with a, particularly a Star Wars character, there's no reason for me to outline all three films, three of the most famous films of all time. So, Are I'm, you talking about the original trilogy? or Yeah, the original. Okay, original. good. I was going to say, I thought maybe you were talking about the... No, the pre wild- trilogy is the trilogy I'm actually going to talk about, because I don't need to go over the original trilogy. Well, well not as big of a box office straw. Uh, its content was equal, it was vastly superior. And I'm, of course, talking about the prequel trilogy. <laughs> Once again, you're, you're just based in your little Jar Jar Binks. All right, are you ready to make our opponents do battle? Yes. Um, take the reveal action figures and have them hit each other. So I get to choose, right? Who? Yeah, you get to choose who goes first. Uh... Hit me up with that sweet, sweet uh, prequel information. Let me know about young Anakin Skywalker. All right. Not what I expected. I, to, I like that. All right. Now, Darth Vader, born Anakin Skywalker, is the central character of the Star Wars saga, as we covered, appearing as the main antagonist of the original trilogy and the main protagonist of the prequel trilogy. The character was created by George Lucas and has been portrayed by numerous actors, his appearances span all six Star Wars films, and he is an important character in the expanding universe of television series, video games, novels, literature, and comic books. Originally a Jedi prophesized to bring balance to the Force, he falls to the dark side of the Force and serves the evil Galactic Empire at the right hand of its Sith Master, Palpatine. He's also the father of Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia Organa. The American Film Institute listed him as the third greatest movie villain in cinema history on 100 Years, 100 Heroes and Villains, behind Hannibal Lecter and Norman Bates. Now, in the first draft of the Star Wars, tall, grim General Darth Vader came closer in line with his final depiction in the second revision, 
the protagonist, Anakin Starkiller, had a role similar to Luke Skywalker's as the 16-year-old son of a respected warrior. Vader's mask was originally designed by Ralph McQuarrie as a part of Vader's spacesuit and not intended to be part of the regular costume. Brian Morse sculpted Vader's costume based on McQuarrie's designs, which is where you get the whole, you know, black the scuba, the scuba thing. That's yeah. always, it looks like a fucked up piece of scuba equipment. Yeah, you, that's really where he morphed from. Because I actually did a comic book series about this where you see the original Vader. And yeah, uh, that's the the Star Wars. Isn't that what they called it? Yeah, the Star Wars is being published uh, actually currently by Dark, Dark Horse. Horse. And uh, the original version of Vader was actually – he was more or less wearing the same outfit, but he didn't have the mask. He just kind of had the helmet part of it and then the like the suit part of it. I always consider like Vader's helmet. I think it's because of the mask and the breathing – He's like an, uh, a gothic uh, scuba diver, you know. Yeah. The kind of scuba diver who would go scuba diving with a cape, you know, <laughs> just to you know, show off. I can actually see that. <laughs> the new plot element of Luke's parentage had drastic effects on the series because, of course, the plot element of Luke Skywalker being the son of Darth Vader actually came after the fact of... Oh, are you telling me George Lucas was just making this shit up as he went along? I I mean, that's hard to believe, isn't it? According to him, he always had a unified vision from start to finish. It's, it's funny how history shows a different story. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Michael Kamitsky argues in his book that it's unlikely that the plot point had ever seriously been considered or even conceived of before 1978 and that the first film was clearly operating under an alternate storyline where Vader was a separate character from Luke's father. There is not a single reference to this plot before 1978 as Obi-Wan Kenobi referred to Vader as Darth, as if it is his true name rather than a Sith name. After writing the second and third drafts, in which point the plot was included, Lucas reviewed the new backstory he had created. Now, this is where we get into the prequel trilogy. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Gungans and midichlorians for everybody. Yes, exactly. Oh, you oh, you want to learn about the uh, intricacies of international trade law or intergalactic trade law? Well, then pay close attention, my friends. You're about to find out about all sorts of information, <laughs> tariffs and shipping costs and all kinds of import-export deals because that's, <laughs> that's what the, the first uh, Star Wars taught me. It's like, yeah, you know. Wars are more complicated than that. I might want to read about what causes wars. And that's where history started out. Oh, so this is like your secret origin. No, no, that's not what started, but it, right. cool if it was. You got would, me, there, you there got are me no, up, man. There are no green guys talking gibberish here at all. I go to read about, like, yeah, you know, Yeah, I guess that's, that's true. It's like you would have been insanely disappointed. Yeah. Where's you the, might, you might, if you had paid more attention to the Phantom Menace, you probably would have been a very different person. I'd be more like you. Oh, thank God. <laughs> but I will say that as awesome as, as it was to read about Hannibal's conquest of Rome, um, there was no bitching guy with horns and a lightsaber. So, Well, Darth Maul, I mean, he's, he's a character who needs to be in a lot of historical events. Like... <laughs> You know, the Battle of Iwo Jima, um, the assassination of Kennedy. I'm, I'm sure, like, he would have shown up and, like, he would have dueled Lee Harvey Oswald. Him and, uh, him and Richard Nixon get in a lightsaber battle to protect Kennedy. And Nixon did have a lightsaber, so. Yeah. That works. All right. 
Anakin Skywalker was a Force-sensitive human male who served the Galactic Republic as a Jedi Knight and later served the Galactic Empire as the Sith Lord Darth Vader. Born to the slave Shimi, uh, born to the slave... <sighs> born to the slave Shimi Skywalker in 41.9 BBY and BBY... BBY stands for Battle of... or before yeah, the Battle of Yavin. Yeah, which, of course, is the you know, the battle that ended up with the Death Star blowing up. Mm-hmm. So, just as a reference, that's, that's sort of like the turning point, I noticed, like in all of the Star Wars fiction and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's like the end of an era kind of thing. Yeah, that was a whole great shot, kid. <laughs> that, was, that was how that war ended. Or that battle, rather. Uh, Anakin was conceived by many Chlorians, the symbiotic organisms that allowed individuals to touch the Force, and he and his mother were brought to the desert planet of Tatooine by the slaves of Gardula the Hutt. That's something that I've always wondered about. Like, they kind of imply, but like, was did the Emperor create Anakin, or who exactly? You well, know, they kind of say that he he was miraculously born. Like, he, see, he didn't have. That's the thing that with me, like. They kind of go heavy with the Christ overtones of him, yeah. you know. But then they kind of, you know, I don't remember Christ killing a bunch of little kids, you know, with a lightsaber. Well, that was the, you know, the, that was the Old Testament. <laughs> yeah, true. Old Testament guy didn't fuck around. Yeah, yeah, and, and that one actually did have the Emperor, so, you know, there was that. They soon ended up as the property of Toy, uh, Toy Darian Watto, you know, the blue dude. He was, of course, a Jewish stereotype. That's what people criticize. That's what, like, I remember, like, like if you look at Watto, like, he's greedy, uh, petty, stingy, and he's got a big nose, so people said George Lucas was being racist. Oh, really? I mean, and he had such, you know, politically correct characters in Jar Jar Binks. They soon ended up as the property of Watto, and Skywalker exhibited exceptional piloting skills and a reputation for being able to build and repair anything even at a young age. And 32 BBY, before the Battle of Yavin. Yeah, we, I, we, we've discussed this. You don't need to keep saying this. I need to remind myself, because it's a strange thing to have to constantly say. Skywalker encountered the Jedi Qui-Gon Jinn and Pame Amidala, and he helped them secure the parts they needed for their starship by winning the Boonsa Eve Classic Pod Racing event, only to learn that he had also won his freedom in doing so. One thing that years later was striking his eyes is that why didn't Qui-Gon do it? Liam Neeson played Qui-Gon. How could he not win that pod? He could He could have won it running. <laughs> Liam Neeson could have. He could outrun the pod racers just running. He just would have threatened all the other pod racers. Look, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you do. I'm good at one thing, and that's killing aliens. <laughs> I will find you, and I will race you. <laughs> Uh, reluctantly leaving his mother behind, Skywalker accompanied Jin and his group to the Republic's capital of Coruscant and participated in the Battle of Naboo, helping free Amidala's homeworld from the armies of the Trade Federation. While Jin was killed during the battle, Jin's student Obi-Wan Kenobi followed Jin's wishes and took on Skywalker as his Padawan, and much of the Jedi Council believed Skywalker was the chosen one of the Jedi prophecy, one who would bring balance to the Force by destroying the Sith Order. Skywalker and Kenobi had a number of ventures during the Padawan's decade of training to become a Jedi, but as the Separatist crisis threatened to tear the Republic apart in 22 BBY, Skywalker was reunited with Amidala when he was assigned to protect her from assassins. Surprisingly, this is where the prequels become convoluted and really hard to follow. Wait, you're saying it's not convoluted before? Well, Chewie was there. Oh, Chewie. 
Mm. He, he was the one. He was the chosen one. He was the one that brought balance to it all. Yes. Hey, what happened if you if you would have ever shaved him? He would have looked just like Hayden Christensen underneath all that hair. Don't insult you by saying. <laughs> uh, you're right. He's not that ugly. <laughs> the two grew close during the course of the assignment, though they were caught up in the battle of Gen- uh, Genosis. I think Genosha. Genosha. I think. I barely paid attention to episode I know two, this so what, yeah. I, I'm, I'm ashamed to say it, but yeah, I knew all the pronunciations and stuff of the episode. <laughs> Of the prequel stuff. See, that's actually my plan. Is that I'm trying to out you as an Uber fanboy, and it's working. You're not. You're not just a historical buff. Beneath your exterior beats the heart of a fictional fanboy as well. Well, they're wars. They're in the stars, but they're still wars. You and your clever metaphors, <laughs> which actually happen to be entirely accurate. But anyway, the beginning of the Clone Wars between the Republic and the Confederacy of Independent Systems had begun. The Confederacy rises again, baby, <laughs> in the stars. <laughs> Would have been amazing if they had, like, a General Sherman. Robo, that, Robo Ely was, yeah. you know, a, a, a droid general with my, sideburns. My what? I, oh, goodness gracious. Like, he's, <laughs> he's pretty much C-3PO, except that he has a built-in, like, Confederate hat. Well, no, if you think about it, like, look who the leaders were of the Confederacy. You've got uh, Dooku, who was Robert E. Lee, and then you've got uh, Grievous, who was sort of like Stonewall Jackson. He was effective, but he ended up dying because of his own stupidity. And a wicked, wicked cough. That's never explained. Yeah, that's what happened to Stonewall. Poor Stonewall. Losing an arm during the fighting, Skywalker received a cybernetic replacement, and he and Amidala were secretly married in the days after the battle, despite the Jedi's code restrictions on attachments. Yeah, that's right. The Jedi were kind of like monks or uh, Catholic priests, except for, you know, none of the, you know, the stuff that the Catholic priests, you know, happened to them. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't know, maybe. We don't know what happened in between the movies. I'm sure you know, if there was a prequel to the prequels, that would be... They would. There would be many of a Jedi diddling scandals through the Force too, which makes it even. Oh good. God, yeah. Who, oh, Yoda's like touch him. I did not. <laughs> it was simply the Force that moved through me. <laughs> the Force's will. I, I, I do. Imagining Frank Oz saying all that is hilarious. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that was. So uh, yeah. this is the end of episode two. Yeah, we are. Uh, what about Doom? You've kind of forgotten about Doom. Uh, no. no Doom we're, hasn't we're forgotten at... about you. Oh. Well, I, I guess I'm going to be destroyed now. <laughs> or sent to the negative zone. I don't know which. You but yeah, let's well. head over. You can, you can do well in the negative zone. <laughs> you know, the opposite is, you know, reversed in the negative zone. So, well, yeah. You'd be a warlord in the negative zone. Well, in the negative zone, you don't die. You just, you know, get reborn again. Yeah. And again. And again. You'd be so fat from that Taco Bell. <laughs> or I'd negative, be... That sweet negative zone Taco Bell. Or I'd be so skinny that I'd collapse onto a last shelf. <laughs> so, yeah, let's go back over to our other combatant here, Dr. Doom. Which, by the way, it's like, if you have a name like Dr. Doom, how exactly are you going to lose? Yeah, like, seriously, like, you know, the guy was named Von Doom. How does no one not see trouble coming from that? Yeah. It's always been something that I've kind of wrestled with as a comic book fan, and that it's like I like the just the authority of that. Like I like the fact that he's Victor Von Doom, Doctor Doom, because 
you know, it was created to be more of like a menacing name. Yeah. But at the same time, that's one of the sillier names too. <laughs> like I hate to admit that, but it's it a good just, thing. It's a good thing he went to, uh, you know, uh, the silly Joe from Austin Powers. It's a good thing he went to medical school because Mister Von Doom doesn't sound the same. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Doctor Doom, also known as Victor Von Doom of Latveria, is a fictional character that appears in publications by Marvel Comics. The son of Gypsy Witch Cynthia Von Doom, Doctor Doom is a recurring supervillain, arch enemy of the Fantastic Four, and leader of the fictional nation of Latveria. He is both a genius inventor and a sorcerer. While his chief opponents have been the Fantastic Four, he has also frequently battled Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, the Avengers, the X-Men, the Punisher, Blade, Iron Man, and the Silver Surfer, among others. Holy crap. Uh, one thing uh, that we were talking about Latveria earlier, you said it was an island. I believe Latveria, like, if you look like on a map, like, Latveria is supposed to be like uh, in the Baltics hmm. or the Balkans. Balkan, uh, the, that's you know where the Balkans are, right? That's in Eastern Europe. Yeah, kind of vaguely. I, like, I like slightly to the west of Italy. Yeah, or yeah. to the east of Italy. I'm sorry, to the east of Italy. But it is somewhere in the area of like where like Hungary is and like uh, yeah, it's kind of Serbia. Like, like those countries are often kind of their own little corner, almost. Yeah, like it's like a little dot. Like it's supposed to be like like if Luxembourg had nuclear missiles. It would be uh, it would be Latveria. Doctor Doom has been featured in other Marvel endorsed media such as feature films, video games, television series, and merchandise such as action figures and trading cards. He was ranked as the fourth greatest villain by Wizard on its 100 Greatest Villains of All Time list, and on IGN's list of the top 100 comic book villains of all time, where he ranked at number three. So Doom is held in pretty high regard. Mm-hmm. In He's fact, definitely one of my favorite villains. I would say, like, next to Magneto and maybe, like, Dr. Octopus or something, he is easily within, like, the top three of Marvel. He's definitely, like, the one, like, go-to big villain of Marvel Universe just because, like, like, like Magneto has always been sort of more relegated to the X-Men, Dr. Doom. I'm not, I mean, Dr. Octopus is really just focused on Spider-Man, like, with, like, it's like Doom, Thanos, maybe Red Skull. Galactus, I would, I would right. definitely say. Yeah, Doctor Doom is just such an easy villain to put in there because he fights everyone. He, yeah, he hates Reed Richards, but he's so arrogant that he takes on every single superhero in the Doom Marvel does universe. not forgive, and Doom does not forget. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know how many pizza boys he ex- he's executed because they weren't <laughs> fast enough. Doom required more sausage. He vaporized them. I asked for extra marinara sauce. No. Like many of Marvel's Silver Age characters, Doctor Doom was conceived by writer Stan Lee and artist Jack Kirby. With the Fantastic Four title performing well, Lee and Kirby were trying to dream up a soul-stirring, super-sensational new villain. Looking for a name, Lee latched on to Doctor Doom as it was eloquent in its simplicity, but magnificent in its implied menace. Jack Kirby modeled Doctor Doom after death, with the armor standing for that character's skeleton. It was the reason for the armor and the hood, he said. Death is connected with the armor and the inhuman-like steel. Death is something that is without mercy, and human flesh contains that mercy. Kirby further described Dr. Doom as being paranoid, wrecked by his twisted face and wanting the whole world to be like him. Kirby went on to say that Dr. Doom is an evil person, but he's not always been evil. He was respected, but through a flaw in his own character, he was a perfectionist. Yeah, there's, like, speaking like his face and stuff, I know there are, like, people... 
like it's varied from time to time. Some people have said like underneath his mask, like he's scarred horribly. And then sometimes leave us like he's not scarred at all. He just thinks he is. Yeah, actually, it's interesting because in the history of the Pantheon, it's been revealed actually that Kirby originally wanted Doctor Doom to be this guy who really only had like a slight scar on his cheek, and yeah. he saw that as such a hideous imperfection that he wore a mask for the entire time because he was just so incredibly arrogant and full of himself. Which I think would have been interesting, but they've since retconned that in the comics, and it's more of like he's either horribly disfigured or or like the mask is like welded to his face somehow. Or There's a bunch of different interpretations that go with this character, but mm-hmm. the through line through it all is that he is one of the most arrogant people in the Marvel Universe, probably next to Reed Richards himself. Hey, come on. I'm sorry, but Reed is... He's kind of a dick. He's too aloof to be arrogant. Yeah. Now, getting into his origins, Victor Von Doom was born in a gypsy camp outside of Hazenstadt, Liberia. His mother, Cynthia, was killed in a bargain with Mephisto gone wrong. Despite his father's attempts to care for her, a noble woman died, and Werner Von Doom fled with a young Victor in a cold winter's night. Victor's so, so you're saying is that Victor, Victor's mom made a deal with Mephisto and lost. Question, did she challenge him to a fiddle contest? <laughs> no, she was. She actually was uh, challenged to guess the ending of One More Day. And Mephisto <laughs> said, no, it's even more retarded than that. Go to hell. No. Although now that you've given me a better ending, I'm going gonna, gonna to make a deal with Marvel Comics eventually. <laughs> have them use that ending. There you go, JMS. You're cancer-free. Now write that ending. What a horrible price. Victor survived the cold, but his father did not. Victor Doom sought to increase his knowledge of both science and magic in order to avenge the death of his parents, which he blamed on Mephisto. In his youth, Victor fell in love with a young woman named Valeria, but she resisted his advances. In retaliation, Victor had her sacrifice as a part of a bargain with the Hazarat Three, giving him more mystical power. Nice. That's how, you, that's how you do it, man. Girl breaks your heart, you sacrifice her to demons. <laughs> exactly. I'll show her. Exactly. That's the doom method. After that, he had no prom getting dates. Exactly. Well, I mean, he he kept having prom dates, but he kept having to sacrifice them. It was a, it was a really long night. Yeah. Like, he would he would dance with one chick. She'd, she'd get snarky with them. She'd suddenly disappear. Then he'd come back with another one. You think they'd take the hint eventually. Yeah. And what's weird, too, is that he also had the armor at that age, so... <laughs> he wore an armor tuxedo. He had, like, a metal bow tie. Doom wishes to escort you home by 9.30. Would the lady care for some punch from Doom? <laughs> the State University in Hedgeman, New York, eventually offered Victor a scholarship, which, this is kind of something that's hazy and that they don't really explain how they found Victor in the middle of... The I just imagine, like, some but, like college president, like... Sir, we've got this report. There's a young man who's a wizard running around the European countryside, sacrificing people. That's the kind of student we need at our college. Send him a scholarship right away. I mean, I guess. I mean, it is the Marvel Universe. Stranger things have happened. Like, one more day, once again. (laughs) Yeah. While attending classes there, he first met Reed Richards and Ben Grimm. Doom became obsessed with developing a machine that could project the astral form of a being onto other dimensions, seeing it as a way to free his mother's soul from Mephisto's clutches. Reed pointed out a flaw in Doom's calculations, but Doom arrogantly ignored his warning, feeling that Reed was trying to upstage him. 
The machine exploded, scarring Doom's face. He was soon expelled for conducting unethical experiments. Wow. Way to kick a guy when he's down. Fucking read. Man, NYU. So what? He was just removing one guy's brain. What does it matter? Yeah. Still, uh, it's like he was just scarred. Like, cut him a break. Hey, you're hardly just figured to get out of school. Exactly. <laughs> Mephisto was also the dean. That's what it is. Mephisto, he just he just has a vendetta against against Doom. Yes. Comes that horrible old gypsy son. <laughs> what happened is the gypsy beat him in that photo contest, and he's been holding a grudge ever since. Exactly. It's this is all about Mephisto's pride, not Doom's. <laughs> He was soon expelled for conducting unethical experiments, which we covered. From then on, he blamed Reed Richards for the destruction of his face as well as his expulsion. So there became a long, long-seated rivalry. Yes, over 50 years. Yeah, over 50 years and dozens and dozens of acclaimed storylines. Yeah, lots of sexual attention. Yeah. Disgraced and bitter, Doom traveled the world. And eventually, he came upon a small Tibetan village of monks who assisted him in creating a suit of armor. He returned to his homeland of Latveria to overthrow the leader and declare himself king. He then began to use his country's resources in order to further his plans of world domination. These schemes led Doom into conflict with the Fantastic Four on many occasions, as well as many other superheroes. Doom first confronted the Fantastic Four by holding Sue Swarm hostage. Doom forced the other members of the team to travel back in time using his time platform to retrieve the mystical Merlin stones. Later, he duped Namor into teaming up with him to destroy the team. During the team-up, he was shrunk to subatomic size and ended up in the world of Subatomica, where he quickly took control using his scientific knowledge and began plaguing the Fantastic Four with shrink rays. Which, okay. So he shrunk down and shot shrink rays at the Fantastic Four? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. It's a bit of an odd way to go about your second I big can't re- scheme. I can't remember. Maybe you'll mention it, but I know there are two schemes I always remember from the early comics. One of them was he uh, he sent the Baxter Building in outer space with the Fantastic Four in it. That was probably one of my favorite ones. <laughs> that makes more sense than shrinking yourself down and then shrinking the other four yeah. down. Like, of course. Why, like, why shrink yourself down and then the others? Like, why not just stay regular size and then shrink them? Yeah, then you just squash it. Maybe you wanted just to fight him fairly. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Doom was a complex creature of many, many fallacies. Yes. He was again defeated by the Fantastic Four with the aid of Ant-Man. His next attempt at defeating the Fantastic Four would involve using the Terrible Trio, a group of thugs who had been given powers by Doom. This venture ended with him being transported into outer space by a solar wave. He was later found floating in space by Rama Tut who revealed to Doom that he was once one of his ancestors. Believe... Uh, <laughs> no! Doom has a son. Or, wait. That's not true. Doom yeah. finds that impossible. <laughs> Believing that they might be, in fact, the same person, they decided that Ramatut would return to the future after sending Doom back to Earth. Also, they, they had sex with each other just to see what it would be like. In short, it was very, very disappointing. Oh. Yeah. yeah, there was a bit of a. You know, Doom does mishap. not like. Doom does not like look as good as Doom thought he did. Yeah, I regret this decision. Doom does not perform as well as he. Should. Don't worry, Doom. It happens to all Dooms <laughs> at some point or another in their life. It's a conversation he's having with himself. <laughs> does that count as masturbation? I wonder. <laughs> they decided that Ramatat would return to the future after sending Doom back to Earth. Back on Earth. 
Doom again clashed with the Fantastic Four, and this time they defeated him by hypnotizing him into believing he had destroyed the group. God, I say what it really helped that you know Ben was taking those hypnosis classes at the YMCA on the weekends. They really come in handy. Gosh, stretch! I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This seems awfully random. <laughs> I have done this for your own good. And let me go back to collecting my wife. <laughs> Shut up, Sue. Go make me a sandwich. Yeah, the uh, colorful aspect of the Fantastic Four. Yes. With those. Anyway, uh, let's go back to over to the Lord of the Sith himself. Little Annie. Is that <laughs> Has he become Big Annie? Unfortunately. During the Clone Wars, which raged for the next three years, Skywalker was granted the rank of Jedi Knight and became known to the public as the Hero with No Fear, which I think Daredevil would take it. He was Daredevil with sight and a cool sword. <laughs> This is more closely ingrained than I thought. Taking on the Togruta Ahsoka Tano as his apprentice, Skywalker fought alongside Kenobi and his fellow Jedi in scores of battles, and his friendship with the Supreme Chancellor Palpatine deepened despite the Jedi Order's wariness of Palpatine's rapid acquisition of further powers during the Clone Wars. Throughout the Clone Wars, Skywalker's anger and sense of loss pushed him ever closer to the dark side of the Force, with visions of Amidala dying in childbirth in 19 BBY, made him desperate to find a way to save his wife. Palpatine, who was in fact the Sith Lord Darth Sidious, manipulated Skywalker into becoming his apprentice with a promise of saving Amidala, and Skywalker became the Sith Lord Darth Vader as Palpatine transformed the Republic into the Galactic Empire and decimated the Jedi Order. Yeah, that's the prequel trilogy in a nutshell. Yeah, uh, thankfully it wasn't as long as the... As the three movies, so I think you wrapped it up pretty nicely. What George Lucas should have done is just paid you a million dollars to read that and save everyone the trouble. Stammers and all. So, yeah, I pretty much summed up the three films. And like I said, I'm not going to really sum up the original trilogy because what's the point? All right, this, I'll, I'll sum up the original trilogy. Darth Vader's cool, mysterious, and dark. Uh, he almost kills Luke Skywalker, but Harrison Ford stops him. Not, not Han Solo, Harrison Ford. Uh, the second film tells him to get off his plane <laughs> the second film uh, Darth Vader bounces a laser off his hand some kind of way and then it's revealed that wait a minute he's Luke Skywalker's dad spoiler alert I know sorry also Billy D. Williams betrays them yeah Billy D. I swear the coolest brother in the galaxy exactly uh, and then the third one uh, he takes off his mask and this guy with the voice of James Earl Jones is a white guy <laughs> Uh, white guy with sounds like he has emphysema, and then at the end, George Lucas <laughs> shoehorns Hayden Christensen as a Force ghost because why not? Exactly. Let's, yeah. Okay. And, and at some point, there were several Force CGI dance numbers. Yeah, they they used all that CGI. They had uh, CGI uh, Hayden Christensen, Yoda, and Alec Guinness all limboing. There's a little bit of history after this though that I'm going to cover, which was okay. I believe covered in. Some of the novels and the comic books. Yeah, the expanded universe, yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit of that. I'm not going to cover very much of it, but just right. kind of the essential parts. Vader and Kenobi classed on... Oh! Oh, crap. We actually didn't get... We actually didn't oh, finish you, out. Oh, you forgot. I forgot. Wow. Bad. Oh, my bad. Yeah. There's a little bit more to go. So, just like the prequel trilogy, it just doesn't end. <laughs> or like The Last Lord of the Rings. There's like 15 endings. Yeah. 
Vader and Kenobi clash on Mustafar after Vader attacked his wife in the belief that she had betrayed him, and Vader was left limbless and ravaged by the fire at the end of their battle. Encased in his life-sustaining black armor and believing his wife to be dead, Vader embraced his role as the Emperor's right hand and enforcer, hunting down Jedi survivors and enforcing the will of the Empire for years to come. The Sith Lord trained a number of secret apprentices and dark Jedi, though his plans to overthrow his master had not advanced far when the Galactic Civil War erupted between the Empire and the Alliance to restore the Republic in 2 BBY. In 0 BBY, the Death Star, the Empire's greatest superweapon, was destroyed by a young rebel pilot despite Vader's efforts, and Vader became obsessed with discovering the pilot's identity, only to learn that it was Luke Skywalker, his own son, born before Amidala's death. So with that, we've covered the okay. prequel trilogy officially. Uh, I will say one thing that uh, I hated about like the expand universe and the, all the other things. There always has to be a secret apprentice of Vader's. You know, they always had to make. You know what I mean? Like, and, like I just hate the way they would make Jedi and Sith appear out of the woodwork. You know? Yeah, it kind of got lazy. Oh, this guy! While all those Jedi were killed, he was off uh, doing this over here. So don't worry about him. Yeah, He's just, cool. just ignore him. He was never... Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I get what you meant. Now in possession and a great amount of power, Vader began settling into his position as Palpatine's enforcer. However, several members of the Empire viewed Vader as, a, as being a mad human wreckage. Although in possession of great wealth as well, Vader allowed himself few comforts. Among those were his personal retreat on Coruscant and Bast Castle in June or something. It's, it's spelled weirdly. The 501st Legion, a stormtrooper division he led in the extermination of the Jedi at the Jedi Temple, became his personal guard. The actions they undertook in Vader's name over the course of the Civil War earned him the nickname of Vader's First, or Vader's Fist. Vader's First is less suggestive, I'm just going to say that. (laughs) Oh yeah, they were his first, all right. (laughs) Vader piloted a black-hued ETA-2 Actus class interceptor during some of his early missions for Palpatine as the Great Jedi Purge continued, sometimes flanked by Alpha 5 Nimbus class V wing starfighters. His personal command ship during this time was the Imperator class Star Destroyer Ex- Exactor. That was easily the geekiest sentence I have ever uttered mm-hmm. in my life. I don't know. Maybe the geekiest not Batman sentence. Yeah, I guess that's true. One of his first missions following the end of the Clone Wars, Vader was sent to Sereno, where he summoned the heads of the Great Houses and their oldest sons to a meeting. There, Vader branded them as traitors for supporting the former Count Dooku and the Separatists, demanding that they must answer for their act. Despite the protests of the heads of the Houses, Vader gave them a choice. Each heir to each house would assume the title of his house by killing the current title holder, or they would all die. Vader believed that the houses of Sereno would be cleansed by their blood. Vader watched as Rodus Borgen and the other house and the other heirs killed their fathers. Vader then stood by as each new head swore allegiance to the new head of House Dooku, Count Anden Dooku. Starship. Yeah. Yeah, Vader didn't mess around. Uh-huh. As the weeks passed, Vader became increasingly fixated on Obi-Wan Kenobi, seeking revenge for his defeat on Mustafar. Vader tortured Jedi Dama Montalvo in hopes of learning where Kenobi was hiding, but he became enraged when Maltalvo refused it and broke the Jedi's neck just as Palpatine entered the torture chamber. Reprimanding his apprentice, Palpatine ordered Vader not to become obsessed with the Jedi. When the, but when the Emperor departed, 
One of Vader's troops reported that the surviving Jedi were gathering for a meeting on Kessel, and Kenobi was supposed to be among them. However, Vader was walking into a trap. Master, <laughs> Master Shaddai Palkin was the, or Shaddai Palkin was the source of Vader's information, and she had lured them there to kill him with the help of her fellow Jedi. Pursuing his quarry into an abandoned space mine, Vader burst into the chamber where the Jedi had waited and demanded to know where Kenobi was, warning the Jedi that the first to tell him Kenobi's location would live. Impaling the Jedi Sia Lan Wez before she charged him, Vader removed her hand with another lightsaber strike before he sent Master Kafi Arana flying off with the Force. Vader struck down the Nico Jedi Mesut. I have no idea how to pronounce this. So. Just say the Jedi guy. Yeah, the Jedi guy. Nikko Jedi guy. <laughs> but he was sent staggering when Justice Far's double-bladed lightsaber sliced across the back of his armor, and he leapt out of the way as a recovered Arana charged him from behind. Landing atop a nearby crane, Vader crossed blades briefly with Chu Choi, as the diminutive Jedi Master leapt over him, and Vader's saber was deactivated when he engaged Potkin and her contorsus blade. Vader simply tossed aside his lightsaber and gripped Potkin with the force, pulling her into his grasp before breaking her neck and taking the contorsus blade. Leaping down from the crane, the Sith Lord once again questioned the Jedi as to Kenobi's location as he deactivated the blades of Robo of the other Jedi guys. But the nimble <laughs> choice soon sliced off Vader's hand and Boltar... Swan delivered a strike to his leg, sending him stumbling backwards, but the Sith offered to surrender. Vader's offer drove Arana to kill Boltar Swan for, for her lightsaber when she refused to allow him to commit murder, and Vader dispatched Arana with the Contorsus blade in his own severed hand by sending it flying into the chest with the Force. Goddamn. So he just killed like eight Jedi. Yeah, by himself. Nice. So, yeah, Vader he was is not one to be messed up. He was the chosen one. Yeah, he's not one to be messed with. Nope. And he has the voice of James Earl Jones, so you should have known that anyway. Yeah, he can fight and he has gravitas. Exactly. All right, let's go back to Doom. And then we'll, uh, I think for this one, I'm actually going to look at their various powers and abilities after this. Just to kind of give you a proper, uh, you know, comparison. Tale of the tape. The hypnotic spell that had eventually convinced Doom that he had destroyed the Fantastic Four was eventually broken by a Latvian stage magician who had come to Doom's castle <laughs> to entertain him. <laughs> Doom, realizing he had been tricked, was furious and traveled to America to take his revenge on the Fantastic Four, who had incidentally just lost their powers. But you don't see, but anytime someone would say Victor, uh, because he was hypnotized by that stage magician, Doom would start clucking like a chicken. <laughs> Doom clucks, doom clucks, doom clucks. <laughs> exactly. Doom pecks. Despite having no powers, Doom was once again defeated. Wow, he's just hes just not catching a break. <laughs> Are you sure this guy's effective? This, despite having no powers, Doom was once again defeated by the Fantastic Four, this time with the aid of Daredevil. So it's even worse, because he was defeated by a blind dude. Just wait, next time, uh, Daredevil and Professor X team up. Yeah, to beat him. <laughs> Professor X doesn't use any of his mental powers. He just rolls over him. <laughs> exactly. He just holds him down like, you know, that episode of Futurama. And then they get a guy who can't smell to team up with him. <laughs> it's Wolverine during a sinus. 
His next attack came when he manipulated an army of the world's supervillains to attack the wedding of Reed Richards and Sue Storm. When Doom battled and defeated the Silver Surfer, he stole the Surfer's powers and surfboard, becoming one of the most powerful beings on Earth. He didn't care about his power, he just wanted to surf. Doom yeah. was hang ten. This happened in the 90s. So. Oh, this one did? No, I didn't. This, this is actually the oh. famous story. <laughs> I was going to say, wait a minute, I thought I was off. I was like, are you sure that was the 90s? I thought it was, obviously it was, you know, during the Galactus stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is the big period where, you know, uh, everything was coming to a head, and it was one yeah. of the most, you know, influential. With these newfound powers, he was finally able to defeat the Fantastic Four. So, you know, go him. Yeah, he's batting one out of five. That's not too bad. Yeah. However, he was also tricked into flying into the barrier Galactus set up around the Earth, and the surface powers and surfboard returned to their rightful owner. I imagine, like, Reed Richards is like, hey, Doom, what? I heard uh, Galactus say, you can't go through that barrier. <laughs> Doom laughs at that, and he just went towards it. <laughs> that seems to be all you would have to Doom to trick Doom. <laughs> all you have to But be you to- can't do that, which I can. <laughs> Doom operates on kindergarten logic. <laughs> After assisting Susan Storm while she was giving birth, Doom asked to name her daughter Valeria. He uncharacteristically even left a teddy bear for the child. However, this act of kindness was actually a plot to eventually use the young girl as a mystic conduit. Doom was defeated by the Fantastic Four and Doctor Strange after being tricked into angering the Hazarath Three with a boast. He was soon removed from the realm and banished to the Mobius dimension by Richards. When Mjolnir, the hammer of Thor, fell to Earth, it passed through time and space, momentarily breaching the gateway between Hell and providing Doom with an escape route. Upon his return to Earth, Doom regained control of Latveria and used his military to locate Mjolnir and attempted to seize its power for himself. He, unfortunately, was not worthy. <laughs> and that is where I'm going to end it on Doom. Really, you're not going to mention the one of the more famous storylines? Um... Well, I basically covered the biggest one, which okay. is... Him. Well, I would say the last one, right around that time, was what he did with Franklin Richards. Do you remember? Uh, I unfortunately wasn't able to find enough information about that. Okay. Uh, he, using his spell powers... God, I thought you were the fanboy. Uh, using his using his, his uh, magic powers, he banished Franklin Richards to hell. And... There's a revenge against the Fantastic Four. This was Mark, during Mark Wade's run. And Reed, Johnny, Sue, Ben, they all went to hell to save Franklin. They never really come out and said it was hell, but, you know, it was an extra-dimensional place where there was fire and demon-looking things. So. Yeah. But first, was there once again. Just... I would say that was probably Doom's, like, biggest thing he's done, like, in the last uh, 20, 30 years, you know? Yeah. Around the, around the time that... All that I was talking about, what it ended, that was around the Civil War period. Yeah, this was, you know, Wage Run was right before Civil War, I think. Yeah, so this was after where he used Valeria as a mystic yeah. conduit. But yeah, that was uh, Victor Von Doom's story, more or less. Uh, the rest of it is kind of just... Um, you forgot the of... most important one, though. Yeah. When he hired Luke Cage, and he did not pay <laughs> Luke Cage... So Luke Cage stole the Fantastic Four's flying car, flew it to Latveria, and crashed through his wall, his castle wall, and that great when they, picture. When they told me a crazy black man had infiltrated my fortress, I knew to expect you. Where's my money, honey? <laughs> uh, yes, the most infamous moment. And also, my favorite Doom moment of all time, 
was when, during a team-up with Namor, Namor told him he could not play the Seahorn. <laughs> yes, that's and right. And Doom decided, ah, I will play whatever I wish, and conceded to and proceeded to play the Seahorn. Yes. Because that's Victor Von Doom. He doesn't take any advice. And that's often what leads to his run. So Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you should start doing that. <laughs> bah! Yeah, I, won't, I won't let you tell me what to do. Does <laughs> right. as he pleases. All right. Now, we've gone through their respective histories, more or less. Let's go to the tail of the tape on their powers and abilities. Anakin Skywalker was trained by the Order's most promising Jedi Knight, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Through him, Skywalker would inherit a rich tradition of lightsaber training. Skywalker's style featured elements of many masters, making him outstandingly trained, even at a very young age. The fact that um, the fact that Skywalker was born with the highest known mini chlorian cloud in the galactic gal- in galactic history was considered to be the chosen one leads to various conclusions about his force potential and power. Although extremely young and having less than perfect training due to his late age joining the order, Skywalker was once was one of the most living was one of the most powerful living Jedi. However, Anakin's focus was given more towards improving his lightsaber skills than his force abilities. As such, while Anakin's raw power was immense, his knowledge for the of the force was limited to fairly straightforward techniques. Skywalker was skilled in the use of telekinesis and able to lift heavy objects with minimal ever with minimal effort. During one duel in his early during one duel in his early days as a Jedi, he easily deflected a large pillar back at Ventress when she hurled it at him, and immediately afterwards he used the force to block her force push without even slowing down. He was also skilled at force jump and was able to leap massive distances. Skywalker was also capable of a force push. However, it should be noted that despite having a stronger connection to the Force than Obi-Wan Kenobi, his Force push was unable to overcome Kenobi's during their duel on Mustafar. He was also skilled at Jedi mind tricks. However, Skywalker also developed a habit of using Force choke power, of using the Force short... <sighs> However, Skywalker had also developed a habit of using the Force choke power, a sign of who and what he would eventually become. Skywalker was also proficient in the use of force speed, able to use it to increase the efficiency of his lightsaber battles. Anakin also had an affinity for the use of force visions, such as when he predicted the deaths of his mother and his wife. He knows four primary galactic languages, including Galactic Basic Standard, Hutties, Binary, Verbal, and the Sith language. He speaks verbal binary. One zero zero one 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 zero zero one zero zero one. Essentially the language of Bender. Yeah. Anakin Skywalker was a man of many other talents. He was well known for his exceptional piloting skills, skills that earned him a name as a Jedi ace and a tan, having having such piloting reputation that someone goes as far as to argue he was the best star pilot in the galaxy. I think they kind of play up like his force abilities, but made him such a great pilot. Yeah. During Skywalker's tenure as a slave, he made a name for himself by being a pod racer, Skywalker was also known to be an exceptional mechanic. He could fix anything from a damaged droid motivator to a malfunctioning repulsor lift. The young Skywalker quickly understood how things work, and his strong knowledge of mechanical systems coupled with his closeness to the Force allowed him to pilot most vehicles and starfighters. At the age of nine, he created, even with limited resources, 
The protocol droid C-3PO to aid his mother. Uh, yeah. After, yeah. yeah. He made C-3PO. Yes. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's remember it's, that, please. It's not convenient at all. As Darth Vader, he was a brilliant strategist and was still, despite his less enforced potential, one of the greatest pilots in the galaxy. So basically his skills amount to he was the best at everything. He was what? He was the best at everything. Except for love. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of sucked at that. And parenting. Yeah, and being a decent moral person. And, yeah. And not also, totally, apparently, yeah. uh, he wasn't the best at fighting Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Even as he was an old man. Yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi just said, screw this, I want to die. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he was the best at everything except for many vital things. Yes. Meanwhile, Dr. Doom's potential, he had potential in the mystic arts, and that came from Roma, i.e. Gypsy's, heritage of his mother. He learned these abilities from time... He learned these abilities from his time with a secret order of monks in Tibet. He further developed his abilities by traveling through time and learning lost archers from individuals such as Morgan Le Fay. However, he considers his scientific abilities to be more important and has devices that do many of the same things, such as mystical blasts, mystical force fields, evoking entities, spellcasting, summoning, uh, teleportation, dimensional travel, mystic ensnaring, mystical portals. So he has devices that can do basically everything that magic does. Yeah, he's like a man of science and magic. Yeah. Uh, He also has a proficiency in mind transference. Oh, yeah, that's right. We forgot about that. He always loved to swap bodies with Reed Richards. Yeah. By training with an alien race, Doom has gained the ability to switch his mind with that of another nearby human being with whom he has made direct eye contact, a process which he learned from the alien ovoids. However, Doom prefers his own body and only uses his transference power and only uses his transference power as a last resort. Or if he wants to see Johnny Storm naked. Which he's done many times. He's like, he looks down, ha 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 ha. Ah, that explains some things, and he transfers back. <laughs> then he transfers into the thing to see how the thing poops. What's it like? He's very childlike in his curiosity. Why is there a bunch of gravel in the toilet? Oh, no. <laughs> Dr. Doom's most dangerous weapon is his intellect. One of He is one of the top mortal minds on the planet. Doom even cured Ben Grimm from his thing form, something Reed Richards cannot even accomplish. Doom has constructed hundreds of devices, including a working time machine, devices which can endue people with powers, and many types of robots. His most frequently used robots are his Doombots, exact metal mechanical de- replicas of himself. They look like him, talk like him, and even act like him. Individually, Doombots have an advanced AI, so that each one believes itself to be the real Doom. As a safety measure, however, each Doombot has a dampener program that is triggered whenever the real Doom or another Doombot is nearby. These body doubles appear when Doom cannot be present or is unwilling to risk his own life, and are often responsible for Doom's return from certain death. Another common type of robot is used as a servo guard, the police force of Latveria. Doom specializes in the physics, robotics, cybernetics, genetics, weapons technology, biochemistry, and time travel. He also has a natural talent for leadership, strategy, politics, and manipulation. And he's a main fiddle player. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was something his mother could not match. He's able to beat Mephisto. (laughs) As Monarch of Latveria, Dr. Doom has access to technological and military hardware. 
He also has command of conventional military forces. As the leader of a sovereign nation, Dr. Doom often visits the United States or the United Nations for political reasons. He also... he also enjoys diplomatic immunity during these trips, and his embassy is considered foreign soil. He's even been <laughs> he's even been escorted by Captain America himself. Doom has shown himself to be a talented artist. He painted a duplicate of the Mona Lisa once, and has shown himself to be a talented pianist. He as he's played various compositions of his own creation. Doctor Doom's original armor is a nuclear-powered, computer-assisted battle suit which was magically forged in a monastery in Japan, but since then been repaired by normal technological means. And his armor includes enhanced strength, durability, video communications, electrical defenses, jetpacks, concussive blasts, force fields, and infrared vision. So he's Iron Man. Pretty much. Uh, recycling. It has a recycling system, too. <laughs> Doom, Doom no longer needs to go to the bathroom. Exactly. Um Aha. What was that smell? Doom just defecated. Take that, Should, Richards. You should well, feel so lucky. Yeah. Doom just defecated in his pants, and you can't do anything about it, Richards. Can you invent a way around that? <laughs> the recycling system is the is a self-supporting um, system that is equipped with internal stores and recycling systems for air, food, water, and energy, allowing the wearer to survive lengthy periods of exposure underwater or in outer space. It also has sensor systems, solar energy absorption, and splinters of the true cross, which is what Doom proclaims as splinters of the, you know, the true cross. Yeah, the cross that Jesus crucified on. Yeah. And this is presumably used to wear off, you know, other defenses like supernatural, like presumably to protect him from undead enemies like Dracula. Because werewolf Dracula, by night. Yeah. Come after him. You never know. Werewolf by, by night might make, might make come back someday. Which is weird because, like, doesn't – I'm pretty sure those are only silver bullets, not cross. <laughs> yeah, bro. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe Doom also has those. He seems to have everything else in his armor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Including um, uh, uh, Margarita starter kit. Yeah. <laughs> Two made margaritas. Drink. You will drink. And you will party. <laughs> that is my command. Considering Doom's capabilities to time travel, there is a possibility that the True Cross being a part of his armor is actually true. Um, he also possesses two different Infinity Gauntlets from two alternate realities, but due to that, they don't work the same way in his home reality. As a genius-level inventor and monarch of a sovereign nation, Doom can attain many p- other pieces of equipment as needed, and it also uses a mystic armor obtained through a bargain with the Hazrat III. The exact specifications of this armor are unknown. So basically, Doom can mess you up considerably. Yeah, I think I think uh, I figured that out. Yeah, well, I, think, I think I figured that out like a third of the way through that. <laughs> Like, that is just overkill. The only thing I, I noticed was missing was a gun. <laughs> well, you know. Unless you're the Punisher, you're not allowed to have guns. I guess so. Punisher and Nick Fury, I guess. <laughs> um, so, yeah, those were the two combatants. It is up to you, sir. Yes. Which of these two incredibly unstoppable forces, get, get what I just did, <laughs> would you say deserve victory? Okay, first off, location. All right. Uh, not on Earth, not on any place Vader's familiar with. 
we're going to take it back to the beginning of Vader's uh, career. We're going to Naboo, to the to the Gungan City of all places. Darth Darth Binks is there as the fight promoter. <laughs> he's, he's wearing like a a white and black striped shirt, and he's got like oh he's wearing like a white tuxedo. He's got like a fake afro on like Don King's afro. But uh, so yeah, we've got Vader. You to event of Earth. <laughs> we've got Vader and we've got Doctor Doom, both mass tyrants. So I figure it starts off. Uh, Vader's going to pull his lightsaber because you've got a lightsaber. You know what are you going to do? Uh, but Doom activates his his rocket boots, whatever it is he has in his armor, and tries to fly away. But Vader uses the Force to bring him down. Starts to bring him down, but then as he's getting closer, like Vader's got his lightsaber ready because as soon as Doom gets within pull, you know, distance or within arm's length, he's going to slash him. But Doom presses his button on his gauntlet because if you remember, what are what are midi chlorians but bacteria? The bacteria, uh, even though they might seem mystical, they do provide uh, or they do cater to the laws of science. So, Doom. Doom presses his button and negates the midichlorians in Vader's system. He kills all the midichlorians and renders Vader without his force powers. Oh. And Doom falls to the ground. Uh, they get back up and... But Vader still got his lightsaber. He's got all his training. You know, there's nothing he can do about that. But, uh... I don't know, I'm trying to think, like, how would you stop a lightsaber with Doom's armor? That's what, that's what the question is. Okay, you don't. You know why? Uh, because it's a lightsaber. And so he slices through Doom's left arm. Doom tries to block it, but then he looks down where the slice is, and there's circuits coming out from it. It was a Doom bot all along. Oh! It was a decoy, and the real Doom comes out of nowhere and just smacks Vader in the back of the head. That lightsaber goes flying. To, literally, to, like, open palm slaps him. The metal on metal. Tink! You hear it. But... That uh, that lightsaber goes flying uh, through the air, and Doom just starts using magic on him left and right. He's hitting bolts and blasts. Vader's like bam, bam, bam. He can't, you know, he can't uh, stop him. Uh, unfortunately, he does afflict one one magical bolt with his armor, and that bolt ricochets away and hits Jar Jar Binks and kills him instantly. Uh, people cheer all over the stadium because <laughs> Jar Jar Binks is dead. <laughs> Finally, justice has come. Fifteen years too late, but it's come. That in itself is almost a victory. <laughs> we all win in that case. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, Vader's back on his heels. Back on his heels. Um, but then, uh, hold on. Uh, it's it's a lot easier just reading facts figures I found than to do this. But Vader's back on his heels, and then he falls, because uh, they're in Gungan City, he falls. And you know how they had that weird bubble thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, he falls off the little platform that they're in, and he falls through the bubble, and he's out in the water, you know, in the middle of the ocean. And Doom takes off after him, and they're swimming through the ocean. And, you know, those big catfish are everywhere. <laughs> uh, whatever those things were from the first one. The, big uh, catfish. Yeah, that's what I call them. Let's face it. Yeah. They're, they're everywhere. They're, like, one of them... One of them actually swallows Doom. No. Uh, it comes out of nowhere and swallows Doom. And it gives Vader a chance to swim to the top of the, 
top of the ocean, like you know, he comes out and you know, he's back in the swamps and he starts wading through the the water to the shore and then below the water where Doom has been spotted, that catfish just burst open from where Doom has just ripped it apart from the inside and he takes off up after Vader. And Vader's disappeared into the woods. Now Doom's looking through the woods and Vader is trying to hide, but you know, he's a he's a six foot six guy in black armor with the with the breathing thing. He's like that kid who had asthma who used to play hide and go seek, you know. <laughs> you know where that guy is. And so he starts following him. Uh, but luckily Vader though, because he's a giant, he always brings a spare and he he whips out a uh, another lightsaber. He's got like in a compartment like his hand, his fake hand. He pulls out and slices at Doom. Uh, this time though he hits Doom, and it's the real Doom. He slices off his right arm, and he slices ah. off his left arm. Uh, Doom falls to the ground. He's got his legs up there. You know, he's kicking like you do, because that's the only thing he has left. He's kicking. But Vader's got his lightsaber, and he's starting to go in for the kill. But Doom makes eye contact with him, and in the flash of white light, all of a sudden, mind transfer. Oh, Vader's consciousness is stuck in the armless Doom's body, while Doom is Darth Vader has the lightsaber. And he strikes down and kills Vader in his own body. So now, Dr. Doom has his brilliant mind, his, uh, you know, his gifts for tactics and invention and things like that. But now he's in Vader's uh, body, which the Force will eventually come back. Those midichlorians will, you know, their bacteria, they'll grow back. And so now we, not only do we have Victor, Victor Von Doom, but he has Darth Vader's powers and lightsaber abilities. And he's still going to be defeated by Daredevil. Yes, <laughs> the blind man with the lightsaber. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, of course, at the last minute though, a portal opens up and Ben Grimm hops out with a uh, with a watch, a watch and a chain. He starts waving in front of Vader's eyes and hypnotizes him. <laughs> and then when Ben snaps his fingers, all of a sudden Vader looks up. He's still doomed, but now he has the personality of ten-year-old Anakin. Oh God! So to repeat, Vader's body. And talents, Dune's uh, abilities, but with Anakin's personality. Winner, nobody, loser, <laughs> all of us. Oh, you went dark there. Yeah. Oh, self hatred. Like, I just imagine like a, a big tall like you. Know, I can I can race pod racers. I can fly a plane. Oh, <laughs> was a little too banish. Yeah. <laughs> That's another fight we have to That's do. That's what we should have done, Bane and Darth Vader. <laughs> the funny mouth warriors. Yeah. But yeah, I would say that it's, I guess, would you call this one the draw? Um, kind of, yeah, because they both end up in really bad situations. Yeah, Vader's dead in Doom's body. Vader's, I mean, Doom's been, you know, reduced to a ten-year-old. Yeah. So, really, neither of them won, per se. Actually, you know what? No, I take it back. The real winner was everyone who got to watch Jar Jar Binks die. (laughs) And then, of course, Franklin wins, too, because he gets a playmate. Big, tall, (laughs) 10-year-old Darth Vader. The only kid more annoying than Franklin Richards is 10-year-old Anakin Skywalker. So, those two should be happy. We will play Xbox. (laughs) And I will teach you. All right. So I, I guess that is the way to end things here. Um, sure. Wow, that was that was 
that took some twists and turns. I, I particularly like the inclusion of Bingram at the end. Hypnotist Bingram. Yes, the the rarely seen Bingram, who needs to make an return. He will eventually. Don't worry. If only Hickman were still writing, he'd do that. <laughs> Tis the clobbering hour. Yes. All right. You've been listening to Conjectural Combat. I've been the fictional fanboy, Alex Cook. And he has been the historical fanboy, Matt Johnson. And we will see you on the battlefield. 